1: It's Live in the Bream with host of Fox News at Night, Shannon
2: Breen. All right, Live in the Bream this week is tackling a very difficult subject, and listen, there's so much going on in our country that is difficult these days, difficult conversations, um, competition of rights. Uh, you know, there are so many things, and something I absolutely do not want to get lost in the shuffle Um, Is something that's very personal to our next couple of guests. I want to introduce you to you know her, you love her, um, Fox News chief meteorologist, also one of my besties, Janice Dean. Great to have you, Janice. Always, Shannon.
0: Love you. I can't wait
2: to see you in person and give you a hug someday. Oh, and we're going to eat bunches of junky food and yes, we are, and a dance party. Uh, and, and our next guest may also be invited if he would like to. Professor Charlie Mosey, um, he is an author. His book that is so key to this conversation, "Resisting Throwaway Culture." He's written some really uh, important pieces in recent days. Professor, thank you for joining us. It's good to have you with us.
1: Oh, really, really great, really great.
2: So here's the thing. Um, Janice, I want you to start as much as you're comfortable in sharing your personal story because we want to talk about what has been happening across the country in assisted living and nursing home facilities that we are just beginning to get a full picture of what is really horrific. And I'm sure over the coming months and years, we're going to learn a lot more. But Janice, share what you feel comfortable with about what you've been through.
0: I think that this should be one of the biggest stories if not the biggest story of the pandemic and I feel that obviously with what's going on with the unrest and the protests that are happening a huge story and an important one but I'm afraid that we're losing a little bit of this story of our elderly uh that we have lost in tremendous numbers mm-hmm. and unfortunately I I'm a s- statistic of having two of my family members Who have been lost in, um, nursing homes and assisted living. Uh, my husband's mother and his father died within two weeks of each other. They were in different, uh, living facilities. His dad was in a nursing home. His mom was in assisted living. Um, and they hadn't seen each other for several weeks. Our plan was to have them in assisted living with his mom and his dad has had dementia and he was having some problems. So he was in a rehab slash nursing home to get better. Um, but the plan was to have them both together in a room together in assisted living in a, a place that we um, you know found that was close to our our neighborhood that we could go visit them and bring the kids and My husband wrestled for a very long time to put them into assisted living and nursing homes and It was only very recently that we did this; we still had their apartment uh, in Brooklyn and You know, so this wasn't a a decision that was taken lightly and within just a matter of months of putting them into these um, elderly care facilities, they died of COVID, both of them. And now that we're seeing, you know, the numbers uh, from Mickey's nursing home, um, you know, they're very high. And we learned before he died that they were going to move him to another floor. This was before we knew of the governor's order to have COVID um, recovering COVID patients go into nursing homes and assisted living. Um, but I believe that some of those patients made him sick, and he died. And it was early on; it was it was late March, and Sean got a phone call on a Saturday just saying his dad wasn't feeling well, and three hours later, he's dead. And we didn't find out till he, till the death certificate that he had died of COVID. And his mom was was uh, you know a different. Um, she was a lot healthier than he was. She got COVID and was rushed to the hospital and died in the hospital. But her number will not be counted as a an assisted living death because mm-hmm. she died in the hospital, and that was you know a, a decision by the governor to not count her death as. Uh, a nursing home or an assisted living because she died in the hospital. So there's so much going on that I don't know we're ever going to get the answers to. Um, And that is what is really the hardest thing. And I've told Charlie this, Charlie and I have become friends um, because you know, he studies this and and he's been there for our family, but I told him my husband will live with this grief Mm -hmm. and this guilt for the rest of his life.
2: Yeah, and, and only trying to make the very best, most responsible um, decision. And that's exactly what he did. And your family, like so many others, Janice, made the right decision. They were trying to get their family members well or rehabbed or in a place where they could have someone they hoped watching over them when they needed more serious care and attention. Um, and I, Charlie, the stories that you have gotten, just some of them, I was stunned. I don't even have the words. I don't know what to say. I mean you know, Janice's family takes, you know, double the pain that they have two family members um, lost in such a short period of time. They can't have a traditional funeral or the grieving process normal normally that families would have. Um, and Charlie, when you started to peel back, and there's going to be so much more, I know we find out, the layers of what happened, I mean, you found that nursing homes were left in a space where it's almost inevitable that this would have happened. I mean, um, and I know because of your speaking out and your writing on this you've been reached by even more and more families. Um, how big um, and how wide do you think this problem is and will we ever know the full scope of it Charlie?
1: I don't think so. I think um, nursing homes and and other similar facilities are very good at not facing the music on this kind of thing um, at least from what I've been able to put together so far. Um, and I just, I mean, I come to this as an ethicist, as a professor, I've thankfully not been personally touched with. It. I can't imagine what it'd be like to be in Janice's shoes and that of her husband is just horrific. If I can say something just before about um, the stuff you mentioned, Shannon, about the decision that Governor Cuomo's administration made to put um, COVID positive patients in nursing homes all over New York state. And to be fair to him, other states have done it, are continuing mm-hmm. to do it. Michigan and mm-hmm. Minnesota are still doing this. Um, I was so heartened, especially as an ethics professor, to hear him start out by saying every life of, is of inestimable value. Remember when he started talking like that?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then when confronted with his terrible and his administration's, I think he probably got bad advice, but his administration's terrible mistake, he started changing his tune. And Janice had been all over this too. She can probably say more about it than I can. right? He started saying, well, you know, old people are going to die. There's really nothing you mm-hmm. can do about. And this or is just take not, it up with
2: God, kind of take, thing.
1: Take it up with God. <laughs>
2: it was like, yeah. wow, that's real comforting to the families.
1: And I got, I got some horror stories. We get to those in a moment. But I also got some people after I was on your show and Tucker's show, and I had that New York Times op-ed saying, "Please don't paint us all with the same brush." Mm-hmm. I own this um, nursing home. We've had zero COVID infections right. and zero people. Mm -hmm. um and by the way every medicaid patient i take i lose fifty dollars a day on so please Mm -hmm. can you do something to get us the resources we need to take care of Mm -hmm.
2: this population yeah and and um you're so right and and so many of these nursing home workers we know have been put in very difficult positions too um we've seen them speak out to say in the beginning when there was so much we didn't know and it was so overwhelming they said listen we we don't have the ppe to to responsibly go in and take care of our residents. We're worried about spreading this uh, there. We're worried about our own health and then going home to our own families. I mean, there were just so many potential places for danger and for failure, even though there are good people, as you said, I mean, who care for our older um, citizens or those who need some assistance. um, You know, we've all had experience with those folks too. Um, And they felt like they were behind the eight ball as much as they were trying to protect and help people. Um, They were left vulnerable. And that their residents they were trying to protect were also left vulnerable. So there are just so many loopholes and and places that it seemed like um, there was real danger and just the opportunity to things to you know fall through the cracks to leave us where we are. As you mentioned, um, Charlie, there there are several states we saw um, in Pennsylvania. There was a lot of pushback against the state's health secretary because that doctor, I, I believe uh, she's a doctor of some kind. I don't know if PhD or MD or whatever, but that she had moved her own 95 year old mother out of nursing homes as Pennsylvania um, was not fully reporting what was going on in their nursing homes. Um, so listen, some of this is, t- is hindsight because there's so much we've learned along the way about enormous mistakes that were made. Um, some of it was just pol- bad policy on the front end, but Charlie, as you said, some people are not changing the policy now that we do know better. Um, you know, Janice, what would you like to see? You've brought so much attention to this. Charlie, your work is doing the same you know, we get investigations, who will conduct them, what's the best place um, or the best way to get some accountability um, for these families who've lost someone. And also, so it doesn't happen to other families. I mean, Janice, what would you like to see? I want an investigation,
0: Shannon. I want a federal investigation. I would love to see like a nine eleven commission style hearing on this um, so that when this happens again, um, we are better prepared and we know who the players are in this? Why did they make that decision? You know, when that mandate went out, there were, you know, nursing home advocates that wrote emails saying, this is going to be catastrophic. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't enough PPE. There just wasn't enough information. And I know from what I've learned, you know, the nursing homes and assisted care didn't quite know what to do either. So we need to have something in place so that this never happens again. But mark my words, Shannon, I don't want my in-laws to die in vain. I mm-hmm. want answers. I want um, I want to know what went wrong, why it went wrong, and how we can fix it. And, you know, it, I said to my husband when this happened, I said, maybe there's a reason for this. Maybe this happened to us so that I can help somehow. Like I have a platform to speak for all of these people who don't have voices anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know. And Charlie, I heard you talking about, you know, why doesn't this get more attention? And that breaks my heart, it breaks my heart that it's not getting more attention, that our parents are not as important as some of the stories that are making headlines are in the newspapers. And I truly believe that, unfortunately, it's political, that if this was a Republican governor, I think it would have more play here in New York. Um, And I'm not a political person. I absolutely hate being in this position. Um, But if it's not me, who is it going to be? Who's going to speak?
2: Yeah, and Janice, you have been so vocal and so faithful and willing to put yourself out there which this is so rough for your family. And, you know, we can't imagine the level of pain that you guys have been through and will go through, um, in trying to grieve this and recover. Um, but you know, listen, I'm your number one fan. I think you know that. And the fact that you're willing to put yourself out there and say, I'll be the face of this. To try to get some answers, you'll never know, Janice, how much that means to people and how much it may move the needle. We'll have more Live in the Bream in a moment. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you wanna tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So Charlie, how do we move the needle? How do we get to those places that Janice is looking for where we can say, Someone's accountable. Some policy has changed permanently because, you know, we're already being warned. Hey, there are other pandemics to come. We better learn from this one.
1: And not just other pandemics, but we're hopefully going to get therapeutic drugs and vaccines in the medium f- or to near future. And there'll be limited doses and we're gonna have to decide who gets those. Mm-hmm. And right. um, are we gonna make the kind of mistakes that we made again? Or are we gonna hold people accountable? One thing I've been thinking a lot about And Shannon, you're the lawyer here. Maybe you can help me think about this. Um, When we decided to kick thousands and thousands and thousands of COVID patients out and put them into nursing homes and create um, an infectious fire of death, I think we violated the civil rights of older and disabled uh, Americans in those nursing homes. They suffered the brunt of what turned out to be rationing Resources. It's it's totally clear now that the hospitals did this because they didn't want beds to be taken up by these patients. They wanted to keep them open for other cases, and they unloaded them on nursing home populations. Um, I'm not a lawyer, uh, but I've read a little bit about civil rights law, and it seems as if those particular kind of actions have what's called a disparate impact on people whose civil rights are are uh, violated. We've seen this with race and gender, I think. Well, what about age and disability? Yeah. I think I think that's something we should focus on. Have have thousands and thousands of people had their civil rights violated because our choices had a disparate impact on them. I don't know the answer, but I think we need to.
0: I would really like to know what uh that ship was doing and why the Javits Center didn't have more more people. It was like we were set up for, you know, thousands and thousands of people to get this and yet those um venues were left open and Mm -hmm. and were not used properly. So that needs to be
2: answered as well. Yeah. And we had the hospital in in Central Park that could have taken a lot more people than they did. I mean, there were so many assets that were sent away. And I think that's going to be part of the fact finding and following the trail of what happened. Because when we started to ask questions about the ship, why it was sitting there empty, you know, originally we were told it's for non COVID patients so that the hospitals can handle all the COVID patients and we'll take the heart attacks and broken legs and all that stuff out here on the ship. Then when they got pushed back on that, they said, okay, we'll convert it so that it can take COVID patients. And even then, there were very few. And we were told there was all kinds of bureaucratic red tape about taking people from emergency rooms or hospitals and then transporting them to the ship. But it sat there waiting and waiting for people. Mm-hmm. And the same thing mm-hmm. about Javits Center, as you said, um, Janice and and Charlie, to your point about this potential disparate impact. So, you know, not to get too literally on people, but it may, you know, the bottom line is you may have a policy. Like you can't say, Hey, if you're 85, you don't get in the hospital. But if you say, you know, everybody who is in this class that's older gets to go back to the nursing home it may have the disparate impact, which is the same as if you said everyone over 85 has to go back to the nursing home, Um, you know, generally used in the context of employment or education, But I got to think there are going to be some lawyers out there and there are already lawsuits and there should be so we can get some answers, you know, who may try some of these uh, more novel theories or things that haven't been tried in this particular area of law before. Um, But we've also seen um, this back and forth about immunity because there was a big uh, buffer of immunity tucked into one of the funding bills in New York. And I think that was in April. when We're in the middle of this whole thing. Um, That gave a lot of immunity to hospital administrators, people running nursing home facilities, people working there. Um, That's a question I think that Cuomo and his team are going to have to answer. They've said um, it had nothing to do with, you know, um, protecting people against potential lawsuits if the nursing homes did something wrong. You know, on the other end, we have people on Capitol Hill arguing we're going to need immunity for businesses to reopen from COVID because we don't want a bunch of lawsuits flying around while people are trying to bring employees back in and customers back in. Um, you know, so there, you, there were other places that that floated immunity for doctors and nurses saying, listen, there's so much we do not know right now, um, back in February, March, even into April we want these doctors and nurses to be able to try therapeutics, different ways of using ventilators. Um, We want them to be able to get creative because we just don't know how to save lives right now. So we want to beef up immunity for them. So I think it's a fine line in having that conversation. But at the same time, I mean, there's got to be fact finding about where the breakdowns occur. Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. I I have no interest in in suing or I I don't, you can't put a price on the lives Mm -hmm. of my husband's parents, but I do want answers. Mm -hmm. I do want answers. Um, and, and I heard early on about that mandate. I'm not a lawyer, but I heard early on that, Oh, you can't sue the nursing homes. And, Mm -hmm. and I've talked to people that work in the nursing homes that are afraid to talk because they think they're going to be out of a job or they're going to be sued. So Mm -hmm. there's all sorts of roads that I I would love to go down to find some
2: answers, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if we ever will. Well, and Charlie, I know you've had a lot of people come to you, and this may require whistleblowers. I mean, within the government and within these nursing homes to give us real answers. I mean, it seems like, Charlie, a lot of people across the spectrum, whether they had a loved one in one of these places or they've worked in one of these places I mean, you've had a lot of people willing to come to you at least maybe off the record i don't know if some on the record as well
1: yeah one meta thing to say about that is is there's been absolutely you know janice talked about not being political there's been absolutely no political aspect of this at all it's been people all over the political spectrum from all walks of life making very similar points, talking about basic human dignity, which in my world is just a beautiful thing. I mean, this, why can't we all come together as left or right mm-hmm. or whatever and mm-hmm. and agree on on trying to do something here? But with regard to specifics, here's one example that might be relevant. There was this um, gentleman in Texas who, whose father had died of COVID. And he was at every turn trying to find out exactly what happened. And this investigation, he had this lawyer trying to do that. It turns out That the lobbyists for the companies that were running the nursing homes had written all the state laws or Mm -hmm. essentially provided the law, the language for those laws to totally benefit them in precisely these kinds of situations. Mm -hmm. So it's not quite whistleblower territory, but it's somebody on the ground who's just lived it in a way that shows we need fundamental change at a basic level. I got another email from somebody, a, um, a nurse working in Connecticut. Who basically said, "Can you help me? I think I have COVID. I think I'm going to. Sp- if I keep working, I'm going to spread it to the rest of the nursing home. I've told my management that this is likely the case. We need to get tested. We don't have the proper PPE. They gave me a mask that didn't work. She ended up just quitting her job because she didn't mm-hmm. want to spread it to the rest of the nursing
0: home.
2: Oh.
1: Um, and I don't know what her financial situation is or, or anything beyond that." In fact, I, re- I replied to her email and she didn't even respond. I think it's because she replied with the email she was using for her facility and it probably wasn't in use anymore. But there were, I mean, there's literally dozens of these emails in my inbox. I have, a, I have them saved from people in just such profound pain and such profound. I mean, this pandemic has really showed us something important that we need to realize about ourselves. And that's that we have a, another throwaway people, another throwaway um, uh, set of people. And uh, and we need to address it. And so if there is some silver lining that comes from this, it's people like Janice, it's people like you, Shannon, who are willing to cover it. I mean, getting back to the point about coverage between 40 and 50 percent of the people that died of covid were in these homes and got it in these homes.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Is there been anywhere close to 40 or 50 percent of the coverage of people Mm struggling with covid? That is my my sense is absolutely not. And you got to wonder why that's the case.
2: Well, as you said, I mean, so many portions of our culture view people as throwaway if they're not valuable in some way that the world deems is valuable, where I know the three of us and many millions more billions of people out there in the world believe that there is value in every single life. Mm -hmm. Um, And that and that should extend in all kinds of areas, um, in a lot of directions. And listen, all of us if we are blessed enough to grow old are going to be in that position where if we're not speaking out for people now, we're going to be those people one day. That's right. And, um, I'm, I'm glad that both of you have, um, just committed to keep digging for answers. We will do the same thing because there are thousands and thousands of people whose lives maybe, um, could have been saved. We have no way to know that now. Um, but all we can do is keep shining a light, keep asking questions and keep demanding answers. And I know that both of you are committed to that. So thank you for this conversation. Janice, you know, I love you and Sean and the boys. And we can never, ever imagine that you have been here. But, you know, I'm praying for you. And I know. I, I thank you that you continue to write about this and raise the red flag about this. Um, and let's all stay on it. You know. Thank you. Thank you both.